0: to the truth in his heart. I am your host, Rob Lee. And today, I have the privilege of being in conversation with the executive director of Dance Place. In their role, they oversee the development and growth, including strategic direction, operational oversight, talent acquisition, and retention, as well as legal responsibilities. Please welcome Andre Maslin. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Hey, Rob Lee, thank you so much for having me. It is an honor. Um, I have scrolled through your files. I've seen the people you've talked to. So I'm happy to be in that in that company. And if no one has told you to this point, I just want to thank you for what you're doing for the art scene in Baltimore. It's it's great. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. And thank you for
0: uh, checking it out. Um, it's uh, it's important stuff. And I'm really happy and privileged to really get anybody to come on it's it's really truly a pleasure that people will share their time with me going through this absolutely so as we 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 start off uh i got to do i got to do the sort of customary question but i like to ask things really weirdly it was like so what's the the andre maslin story you know i'd I go right into that so so where'd you grow up um and what is it about arts arts leadership that really resonated with you because in
1: looking over your background it's, it's a lot of those touch points all right. So I was born in Montego Bay, Jamaica, West Indies. I'm a Jamaican yard man, and um, <laughs> came to this country. <laughs> came to this country uh, at the tender age of eight years old as an immigrant child, um, and grew up in South Florida, actually. So partly in Miami, partly in the Fort Lauderdale, Hollywood Beach area, um, and stayed there throughout high school, two years of art school, and then left and moved up to New York. So I've kind of bopped around um after New York did a small stint in LA and then I found my way to Baltimore where I lived um now in DC I lived in Baltimore for 16 years 16 years Baltimore for
0: 16 years I I I want to know what the metric is like if once you get over 10 years is it like you kind of you have enough obeying your blood and enough I was going (laughs) to say something very inappropriate (laughs) but I think obey is the better thing you got enough of that in your blood and it's like I it's like it's, it's like, what is it? The uh, Cub Scouts or the Boy Scouts? It's like, all right, you got this patch. You got this crab-colored patch. It's kind of that.
1: You know what I thought about? It? Baltimore is the longest place I've lived in my life because I've bopped around so much. So Jamaica was only, you know, eight years. Um, then Florida wasn't as long as Baltimore. So Baltimore actually is, for right now, the place I've lived the longest. So I have I have allegiance and love for that city. Yeah, Might as well be home. I mean, that's that's what we like to hear. I mean, you know,
0: when when people think about Baltimore, you, you have some people are coming here for that sort of they're moving to the next thing and it's kind of a launching pad, despite not getting that sort of credit of being one of those spaces. Or mm-hmm. it's like, and I ended up in Baltimore. You know, it's kind of <laughs> that. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I, I think to be real, when when the, the other cities, the Phillies, the New York, they don't they don't understand Baltimore. And I didn't really understand it until I moved there, honestly. But it is it is a gritty city. But the arts scene, I can't compare it to anywhere anywhere else. And like I said, I've lived in the major I'm doing air quotes, the major <laughs> cities around the country that are known for the arts and entertainment. And Baltimore is like no other. That's that's great to hear. And I, I think people just need to be need to be more aware
0: of it, um, I think it's one of those things where when people talk about, you know, the sort of comparison thing, like what you're doing is just like this. And it's like the real people know it's got, it's kind of <laughs> that. It's like the real people get it. It's like you come there and it's like, you'll get that real sort of love here. People are doing real work here, boots on the ground. And it's no, yeah, very unpretentious. And it's not really contrived. It's just like, no, this is the real real work is happening. And when I ask people on occasion of like, where's the good art happening, I'm looking for a very specific answer. And it's not necessarily a place, but it's a part of a place. Like mm-hmm. it's in those grittier areas. It's in those sort of like, I don't have a lot, but I'm making good stuff. My imagination and so on is really driving this sort of stuff.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Totally. So, you know, you, you mentioned art school, I believe a little bit. So yeah. let's, so what was that, that that point where you're like, I want to pursue art. I want to pursue just sort of like art leadership as a career path, as, a, as an interest. What was that experience like? What, was there something seminal that hit you and you're like, you know what? Creativity, that's for me. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: I kind of stumbled into it, to be honest with you. I was in a, in a group with my friends um, out of high school and in, into art school, a hip hop group. And I was the absolute worst member of that group. Sure. <laughs> so if you're not good at it, you know, you've got to step out of it. I was I was honest with myself enough to step out of it. And what I was good at, Rob, is, is being organized um, and, you know, being able to help them get to where they needed to go. Meeting. Hey, you got a photo shoot on Friday at this time, getting them there, um, arranging right. things, being behind the scenes. So I kind of fell in love with the organizational side of it. Yeah. And not even consciously thinking of it, I really did start out thinking I was going to be an artist and be, you know, the next coming of, of De La Soul or Called Quest back at that time, because that's kind of who we were built like. Yeah, um, But yeah, kind of stumbled, stumbled into the profession and got behind the scenes. And once that group split up, just kept going, uh, arranged shows independently for folks and bars and nightclubs, um, restaurants. Uh, then started getting people noticed and contracted me to do one off, you know, kind of small festivals. They were calling them festivals but it was like, you know, in the ballroom of, of a Holiday Inn. So it's not really a festival, <laughs> but it gave me it gave me some experience in arranging venues and getting bands on stage on time and and managing contracts and all that stuff, which I, I also learned in art school. So it was a stumble into it, really. It was not definitely not a deliberate thing. That's 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 really that's really interesting. Where I, I go back to that first episode,
0: I remember of the, of the truth in his art. I remember when uh, it was one thing that James Nasty said. He's like, you know, some of these artists don't have the things in order. And what you're describing now, however many episodes down the whole path is. So I kind of went into this organizational thing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, they, and they need it. You know, if they if artists are, are real with themselves, take the help. If you have a good friend, somebody that you trust, that'll that'll help you out and, and get you where you need to be and manage it. the admin side of things, take that help for sure. So, you know, I don't wanna bury the lead too much. Let's, let's
0: talk about like Dance Place a little bit. We're gonna go back into a bit more about your background, but I at least wanna talk about Dance Place because I think that that's, because it's so such a such a current situation, such a recent situation that be remiss not to talk about it early on.
1: Yeah, Dance Place has been around since, um, 1978. Uh, So it's been around for over 40 years. Started as a dance presenting organization by a wonderful woman named Carla Perlow. Uh, She's a dancer herself, so she wanted to bring dance into the schools in DC. So that's really how it started. And then, much like Creative Alliance, it's funny how like Creative Alliance Dance Place is, although it's a dance focused organization, people just gravitated towards it, you know, grassroots. Hey. I'm going to help my car, my friend Carla, do this thing, and then before you know it, you're you're bought in to that system. You're bought into that to the to that environment. You bought into what she's doing, and you get behind her because she is a she is a force force of nature herself. So it's really grassroots. Uh, before we got to the building that we got to now, really just about presenting in schools, small organizations started much like Creative Alliance, which started in a very similar way. So. How
0: did let's let's talk about how you you became interested in dance plays, how what brought you there? Was it something within the mission? Because in, in looking over like your background, I see Motorhouse in there. I see Creative Alliance, as you touched on. I see uh, the Center of Performing Arts at uh, what Prince uh, George's Community College. It's, it's like this yep. nice sort of like track record of being in these sort of like leadership and arts focused roles that. Are really filling this sort of gap that a lot of people, you know, don't get. Like, you know, artists, as, as we touched on earlier, it's just like, I know how to art, but when it comes to like some of this sort of structural, some of this organizational stuff, people don't have that a lot of times. And they are looking at people like you or the roles that you've been in to can you help organize this? Can we put on an event here? They may talk to someone like you to help get things organized and things set up. So what is it about like dance place and maybe the stops you've had leading up to it, that it resonated with you and what did you bring from those other stops into this role?
1: You know, really what I came with was a toolkit, right? Because as you mentioned, Creative Alliance, Motorhouse, PGCC, um, I just came came back with a lot of experience, honestly, and I'll break it down like this. So Creative Alliance was my first foray where I started as a house manager and did that for a little bit, right? So I, I I learned that and eventually got promoted up to operations director and gained all that experience over eight, nine years. Then I went on to Motorhouse and stepped up into a more leadership role. Right now, funding is fundraising is kind of on my plate I'm running the whole organization stayed there for a little bit and went to college. Now I'm I'm dealing with six-figure budgets. So, you know, I've never booked (laughs) an art event for six figures plus before. So when coming back to Dance Place, what attracted me to answer your question was getting back to that grassroots. Because as I said, Creative Alliance was was very much like a family. Um, Everybody that worked there uh, became really good friends. The people that came to see the shows or hang the shows, also became friends of ours, the staff, and Dance Place seemed like that kind of environment. Although it was great to be in a college and have the big budget and have that security of, you know, of a college. You're not you're not worrying about going out of business at a college necessarily. This is true. Um, it was good to realize that this place with such a long legacy and history, forty years of doing community work, was available at that level. You know, because I've been thinking about, all right, so what's what's next? Do I want to go to a bigger college? I'm at a community college. Do I want to go to a university? But no, it was really about getting back to the, to the grassroots of it. And that word is kind of cliche now. What I mean by that is we're with the community. You know, we have community artists. We just had D.C. Dance Festival, which stands for District Choreographer Dance Festivals. And that, those are all emerging and mid-career artists who are assembling work, it might be work in progress, it might be something that they just assembled, um, maybe something that they had for a while, but the, there's no real criteria to it. Um, just bring your work and we'll show it over a weekend. So two, it was over two days, the same show along across four sites on our campus. Um, so that's that's what feels good to me about being back in an organization like this. I have presented, as I said, Larger larger dance companies, bands, etc. But I love being with the people. I love being able to, to have conversations with folks who have an idea. And like you said, maybe I could help you with that idea. You know, it's yeah. not as polished, doesn't need to be that polished. We can get you there. Maybe you've never read a contract before, like a you know, three, four page contract. Let's talk about it. Here's what to look out for, here's how to respond, here's how to ask questions. So not to say that everyone is a novice at dance place but it's just at a different level you know it's it's, it's a different level you're dealing with more um emerging and mid career folks than being back at the college with large folks and that's what i love i feel more effective in that way
0: that's that's great and thank you for that and um mm-hmm. I'd imagine like people are like very like appreciative of that sort of because I have a relationship with Motor House that's very similar. It's like, hey man, I have no idea how to go through uh fundraises and art ease. I just know how to make what I make. Can you help me move the thing along? <laughs> yeah, sure. And yeah. you know, being around people that can can really help and get an idea of where you're 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 coming from and being able to get to in that sort of accessible way. Um, you know. I work in higher ed, so I definitely kind of relate to the notion of security and the notion of, I'm kind of good here, right? But um, you're looking for something else that makes you feel more effective, it's like, nah, I could probably do better at this place. I could probably do more at this place. And there's something outside of the the work, maybe the environment, um, the, I'll say, in the, the job that I am doing sort of in the day job. And that's where the, the, the college comparison comes at is this is cool, but this is a school within a college. And this school is run very much like a science lab, whereas maybe I need that more undergrad field. Cause it feels like people have a broader, more liberal arts thing and that can satisfy some of the creative energy that I'm always craving.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I tell you, man, I, I came to this organization and people were just, um, I don't I don't know if it was me, me necessarily, but there's an energy in the building that I just didn't get at the college. I nothing against the college. It yeah. was it was but it's it's set up, you know, very hierarchical and it's can be a bureaucracy at times. Things get stuck. I always tell folks it moves, it's a steamship, it's not a speedboat. Right. And the way we're able to move ideas in a smaller organization is what I'm about. I just don't like getting bogged down. If you have an idea, let's try it. If we have the funding, we'll, let's try it. If we don't have the funding, here's some ways we could find some funding to get it done. So it's it's just much more nimble and it definitely feels like home.
0: Well, since, you, since, since we're talking about that piece, I'd be remiss if I don't go into the segue. It feels like it's a natural segue. <laughs> uh, so could you like, you know, and I, and I know you haven't been in the, the the dance place role super long, but, you know, if if there is one that comes to mind, feel free. Uh, but could you describe a project where you kind of, you know, pushed your vision or working with someone to help them really realize their vision as far as it could go? Like, what was that like? What was the project and things of the sort?
1: Um, hmm the project that comes to mind, honestly, has nothing to do with art. It has to do with um, my step away from the art scene for a little bit when I opened a coffee shop in Mount Vernon called The Room. And that took every bit (laughs) (laughs) out of me. And the idea was just to create a space, right? Because in I left Creative Alliance and started this coffee shop. So much like the community feel at Creative Alliance, I wanted to do that just in my own space, which was an 800 square foot coffee shop. So not very big at all. And we crammed them in. We had holiday bazaars, we had yoga classes, we had some important discussions, we had full bands performing there, 800 square feet of space. But coffee shops, and you and I spoke about coffee shops before, um, there are different beasts or restaurant. We spoke about restaurants. There are different beasts. Um, and that took the early mornings, the running out of supplies, the running for supplies, the people not showing up for work, the stress of you know payroll and acquisitions. It took every bit. The <laughs> lobbying it took to make that even happen, it took every bit out of me. So I have... It's probably not what you were asking me. No, no, no. <laughs> you know, about art projects, I'd have to give that some consideration because it's it's been a lot. Um, but that project, kudos to everyone that ever wants to open a restaurant or has opened a restaurant. Because let me tell you, <laughs> that is some hard hard work. I'll stay over here in the arts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, and, and I, I've talked to folks
0: that are in that that lane, and I think that it's what what's behind it, right? Like. You know, a lot of times I'll talk to a chef owner. So you're wearing both hats. It's like, man, I got into this to be creative with my food. And that's the, that's my thing. And, you know, some people who are in the arts, they're like, I don't know. Culinary arts is part of it. It's like, but I am. It's like your commerce and it's like, look, this is really stressful, guys. Come on. Yeah. Don't take don't take my art thing, thing from me. Don't
1: take my art thing from me. Yeah, you got to love it to do it. You got to love it. And I used to see Damien from Black Sauce Kitchen in the restaurant store at like six in the morning. And he just like <laughs> happy and <laughs> walk away like man he seems so happy why am i not that happy i'm miserable in this face right it's, it's the biscuits it's the biscuits that's what <laughs> it's just
0: that's just what it is uh it's all about the biscuits uh i gotta i gotta get over there get some biscuits I, I like those biscuits a lot um Indeed. so I, I i got i want to ask i want to ask this question about um traits because i think you know I I think sometimes this the podcast, when people listen to it, they maybe get something that they may not be looking for. It's like, oh, I'm going to learn about this person's career, learn about their work, blah, blah, blah. But I like to like kind of pepper in at times like some of those gems. So like what what are those traits, maybe three traits that you've relied on most in your career? And what would you say was the hardest one of those three for you to master or to feel like you're even like in that conversation of mastery?
1: Uh, I think I'm really good at multitasking. Um, I don't tend to need to manage my schedule and what I what's on my plate intensively. Mm-hmm. Uh, somehow, I think I'm kind of a natural at multitasking. So, spinning many plates, you know, keeping an eye on what's happening today, what's coming next week, and what's coming down in a few months, I tend to do well at. Uh, I've been told I'm calm under pressure, which is good. I've had a few hairy incidents, uh, actually a creative alliance with fires next door and had one person have a stroke on stage. That's a whole other story um, as well. But calm under pressure would be the would be the second one. And the third, some people call it code switching, but I don't call it code switching in the sense that I'm you know, shifting my voice and my demeanor and how I walk. When I walk in a different room, I mean that I can hold conversation with different People where they are, you know, so wherever they are. Whether it be in, in the boardroom or outside in front of the building or, you know, down the street in the immigrant neighborhood, I feel pretty comfortable in a lot of environments. And I think that partly has to do with the fact that I was thrown into this this melting pot of the United States of America at such a young age and had to figure it out. It wasn't it wasn't always easy. I got teased a lot as the Jamaican kid with the broken accent and not the freshest gear. But you figure it out, right? You, yeah. figure it, you figure it out over time. You learn how to adapt, how to make friends, how to how to shift. So, I would say that my gear shifting—I prefer gear shifting over code switching—because, yeah. like I said, I could just—I I feel good around if I'm the only brown person in the room, or it's a it's a room full of brown people, brown and black people. I'm just as good. Yeah. So, what one of those? we
0: did you feel was the hardest to kind of master, get a hold on?
1: Ah, uh, let's see. I can't, say I've any. Mm. Um, I can't say I've mastered any. I can't say I've mastered any. I feel like multitasking is easy, and that's why I think I'm good in, in these kinds of roles, in multidisciplinary. We're putting out a lot of products constantly type of jobs. And I guess that's over time, right? Because I started in college a long time ago working on managing multiple projects. So I think I've built that over time. But I wouldn't say I've mastered it. I'm still, I'm still a student. I'm humble enough to say I'm still, I'm still learning every day, right? Every role is different challenges. Um, uh, this executive director role is different than senior manager role. And I take what I've learned in that position and other positions and I bring it here. But they're all super d- different. And there are things I need to learn right now that I I maybe don't know. And I I I could be honest with myself and and I always say I don't know what I don't know, yeah. but I'm gonna find out and try and learn that. Yeah, and I, I
0: like that where when we get into a spot like, you know, been, as I was saying, doing this for a long time, but I was going to sort of like each interview like, all right, what am I going to screw up on? And just kind of mm-hmm. giving myself that sort of like. You may know this you're not you're not you're never a master at it, you're always learning and right. sometimes i like to put these sort of impediments in there just to kind of jog loose the thinking because you get on autopilot and you're like oh yeah i got this, this is, and you feel like you've <laughs> mailed it in a little bit and I, I don't like that feeling i was like nah we got the interview let's redo it you know because it's just like i know there could have been more there i like to wrap up and feel like i've satisfied what i was trying to do and i think feeling not necessarily like a novice, but feeling like a person that's always a student, the student of what I'm doing and the student of trying to get to have a conversation with someone. It's almost an invitation for a longer conversation or an invitation for people checking this out to dive more into your story, more into a guest story to learn more about that work versus this is the exhaustive sort of thing. But I think going into it with that sort of curiosity is closely aligned with wanting to be a student in that area.
1: Well, absolutely. And you asked me, you know, what drew me to dance place. That was part of it, right? Because I've never um, been the sole head of an organization before. So this is it. So here are some things. I have a a toolbox, as I said before, that I'm bringing to this organization with a with a lot in there. I have a lot of tools because I've been doing this for a minute. But there are things that I don't know. And new things that I'll need to lav- need to navigate, and that's part of the thrill for me is the challenge of oh yeah, so I'm I'm stepping into this new role. It may be intimidating, and it, sometimes it, it is, and it feels that way. But also, I feel like I can handle it. You know, I can I can grow into it. There are things I can learn. There are people I have a large network of folks who are doing similar work who I can rely on and and call on for counsel. So it's always that I'm I'm never I'm never there. I feel like. I'm close, but I'm never there. And if I if I ever feel like I get there, I'm gonna look for the next thing. That's also gonna be challenging because I wanna be challenged in life. Hmm.
0: Um, it's, what is it? Uh, it's that saying like when, uh, who's the smartest person in the room, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, if you're the smartest person, go to another room. Right, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that, yeah, exactly. So as it relates to art's leadership and its intersection with business, describe maybe a business lesson that you had to unlearn to be successful in like the work that you're doing now. The
1: art came first for me. As I said, you know, I stepped into it kind of not planning to step into it. So business actually added, it happened in the reverse where I had the art and all of, all of the lack of business knowledge, but I still made my way through it and, and got some things done. But then went back to school and got a business degree. So the business added to the art, you know, you know, contracts and negotiation and, and spreadsheets and, and all of that, all of the things you learn in business school. <laughs> spreadsheets, Oh, those Formu- spreadsheets, <laughs> formulas. Yeah. Coming up with all these, these crazy formulas. So business really added to the art. I didn't have to, to unlearn anything, but what what I've realized, and what we all realized recently um, with COVID, is that it's not business as usual. And even though we're in creative fields, you can't expect people just to, you know, skip back into the building happily. People are still dealing with stuff. So what I what I've checked myself on is realizing that the people who work with me and are on my team need space to do yep. their work. They're not always going to show up and be gleaming versions of themselves. So taking a step back, I think is important. Um, Letting folks function how they need to function for a day or two while they're going through some things is something that um, I think we all would be better off as leaders in in doing and supporting our people. So if I had to unlearn us, take a step back since COVID hit is that we can't just be grinding through it the way we once did. And we have to give people space to kind of deal with their emotions and deal with their mental health and deal with themselves. The work will always be there, but you got to provide that space for them to get back to it. 100%. Mm-hmm. So I got one last real
0: question. I to always call them real questions. Cause you know, some people are like what are these, qu- these goofy questions <laughs> about, you know, ice cream and peanut butter. It's like, look, it's just, a <laughs> character question. Uh, so in peeling the onion back, what is a secret from your vantage point? It could, it could be complete, you know, bunk, but what is a secret or a trait that you feel most creative people share?
1: I feel like a lot of creative people have that can-do spirit. You know, they could see the possible and the impossible. Willing to dream big and not shut things down in the immediate. Um, that would be a through line, a thread. Because, you know, a lot of people that are struggling to, to make work and to make, make it an art, whatever kind of art it is, they have to believe in themselves. And they've they probably set some goals for themselves that at times no one else believes in it. So I if they're not believing in themselves, they're probably gonna quit and stop and you know go do something else. So I think a through line that a lot of artists have is that just that belief in not only in themselves, but in the possibility, the possibilities of the world, the possibilities of their communities, the possibilities in in their fellow humans. Um so yeah, and I feel the same way. I side with artists on that thought. That's that's great. Uh, I fi- I find myself all the time saying, "You gotta have better
0: vision. <laughs> You're lacking vision." And if people are like, "Can you chill out?" I was like, "I'm real serious about this. Like, I know I'm sound like a cartoon character, but I, yeah. when, when when people don't have that vision, sometimes it really definitely rubs me the wrong way. It's just like, why not? You know, it's right. I, I'm a why person, not a how person. I'm always why and i know that the how is important but the why is the probably the most important part why are we doing this why are we spending our time here resources money and mm-hmm. i find that the how at times isn't doesn't really care about the why and mm-hmm. i think that leads to procrastination and things just not happening so um yeah yeah
1: and i, I think that's an yeah you should have an answer for that why let's get that why answered that's very important mhm so with that I
0: want to be able to dive into these uh, these rapid fire questions, um, so I got four of them for you. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> now remember brevity is key here because this is all right. What is your most treasured possession? My plants. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> how do you
1: how do you make work feel like play? I take lots of breaks so I don't get burnt out. Um, I step away from work. And even at work, I think you got it. You have to go stand around the water cooler and just chat it up with folks, you know, and and not be so so rigid all of the time. Um, and but to go back to a really cliche saying, <laughs> if you love what you're doing, you never work a day in your life. <laughs> that's, that's that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> so I love what I'm doing, Rob. Um, so I don't really I don't really feel like work, and I get to to put on events for a living. So I'm. I'm playing. I'm playing with lights. I'm playing with sound. I'm playing with seating arrangements. I'm playing with color. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm playing.
0: It, keep, it keeps it fresh. Um, yeah. that's, that's, I, some, someone described the the podcast the other day when I did this talk. And they were like, so your podcast is just like speed dating, right? And I was like, wow. I was like, I never thought about it that way, but you might be right. <laughs> just, you're learning just enough. Um, let's see. Uh, what's gotten you further? Street smarts or book smarts? three smarts it's only been one person that's picked book smarts i'm 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 happy about this theme continuing who's that (laughs) someone did the cop out and said i'm a little bit of both i was like nah it's one or the other let's let's not change i make the rules here uh so here's the last one i got for you um (laughs) which celebrity do people compare you to all the time like who's your celebrity look-alike your doppelganger
1: Oh, oh, man. What's a uh, guy from Ellie uh, Reed? I hear a lot with the ball. Oh, heads and the black Yeah. I yeah. See <laughs> you see it? I, I do.
0: I was thinking Anderson Silver.
1: I was as the second one. I didn't want to say his name wrong, but Anderson Silva, I've heard a few times. So between LA Reed, I, I heard I heard much more than Anderson Silva, but I've heard Anderson Silva as well. Yes. Yes, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's great. I like I, I don't know if it's just white people
0: cutting up, but I've heard, you know, you look like uh Randy Jackson. I was like, I I don't, but go on. <laughs> go off King. <laughs> uh i've heard uh donald glover i was like again i, I don't i don't know i've heard hannibal burris i was like again i was like these are vastly different looking black dudes
1: <laughs> i know
0: like just a black guy put glasses on him boom that's you seems <laughs> like you host a podcast uh so with that um i want to thank you for for being on the podcast and chopping it up with me and um I want to invite and encourage you to share with the fine folks where they could check you out, where they could check out Dance Place, social media website. The floor is yours.
1: Yeah, sure. So check us out at Dance Place DC on all your socials. Follow us like what we do. If you're in DC or you're listening to this from DC or in the area, please come by and and check us out. Uh, we, We are taking a slow walk into this season. There's been a lot of transition at the organization, me being just one piece of that. So, you know, keep checking us out. There's more coming. We're planning uh, season 24, uh, 2024, 23 24. So just keep, stay tuned. More to come from Dan's Place. It's
0: going to be great. And there you have it, folks. I wanna again thank Andre Maslin from Dance Place for coming on and chopping it up with me. And I'm Rob Lee saying that there's art, creativity, and organizations pushing that forward in and around your neighborhood. You just have to look for it.